Are you ready for the stretch run? Plus, Rob Perez, underdog fantasy. Of course you know him. He's at Worldwide Wob on Twitter. He joins the show to say something nice about Royce O'Neal. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS 3112, equal housing lender. Before we get to Rob, I want to set this up because 18 games left, what's at stake? You watch all these games, what does it mean? Where are we? How does this implicate on the playoffs when it comes down to it? And I checked out where the Jazz is going to be seated. Not that seating matters as much this time around. Seating is not about it. Quinn has talked about this, about getting to be able to play the best way that you can when it comes to April. It is March. But with that in mind, these last 18 games, what's at stake? And to me, I look at it and I see one team high above and then other teams in a really good group behind them. Phoenix is in a top-tier class. And without Chris Paul, maybe they sink down a little bit, but they still have that big lead, so they're going to end up being the one seed. Then after that, you have a really good group of teams that are all very similar and have players that, if you go into the postseason, you know one of them can take over and win you the series. It's very possible. You saw it. Donovan last year, even on a bad ankle, has 30-point games. He has 40-point games. I think in total he had seven 30-plus games in that playoffs. Obviously he had the back and forth with Jamal Murray in the bubble. But Donovan can take over a series. And the way that they're playing right now, like all these teams are tight. Looking at the latest standings, last 10 games, it's all of these teams playing pretty good basketball. Suns, 7-3 over the last 10. Grizzlies, 6-4. Jazz, 7-3. and three. Mavs, 8-2. and two. Nuggets, 9-1. and one. It is tight. It is close. And when you look at the teams, you can tell they're in a very similar situation to the Jazz. Getting their guys healthy so that they can be at full force when it comes to April. So Donovan can do it. Steph obviously has a pedigree. I watched that game last night. I wasn't terribly impressed with the Warriors. I wasn't. Even though... Clay Thompson got coached up by Jackie Moon. Took him 20 shots to score 20 points. I know I trusted them earlier in the year, but without Draymond, they've slunk. And Clay, if he's going to be that second guy, need way more out of him for a championship-level contending team. But that being said, Steph can still carry a team, even though his percentages don't look great. He can still carry a squad. There's a reason why he's changed the game. Jokic, if he gets his running mates back... They can be dangerous. Even without him, he's proved that he can shoulder a load for an entire season. He's my MVP right now. Ja has obvious electricity. No need to tell Jazz fans they saw it last season what he can do in the postseason. 47 points. And of course, Luka. Despite what some broadcasters may say, he can do it with the best of them. Even Jokic. Consider that it took an all-time performance from Kawhi to eliminate his team. Luka brings it in the playoffs. And that leads me to Monday. If the Jazz match up with the Mavericks, and I looked at 538, I looked at basketball reference, I looked at the ringer, just to get a sense of where the Jazz would be seated. Not that seating matters terribly, but just to check it out. Utah slotted at four, 
And for what it's worth, Dallas and Denver slotted in the five. Dallas has the tiebreaker over the Nuggets. But Monday puts some really nice breadcrumbs for what could be a very exciting series. It might not even be a breadcrumb because it's pretty obvious and it was floptastic. Luca and Rudy have a blood feud. And I know, I'm shocked as well. I had no idea Rudy Gobert rubbed some players the wrong way. No idea. No, of course I did. We talked about it on this very podcast. But it's fascinating to see that matchup two weeks ago when Rudy switched out on him. And then Monday when Luca has the response when he's trying to get him thrown out of the game, throwing a basketball at him. That's some good regular season fodder to get ready for April. And ultimately, you're going to have to find a way to guard Luca. Royce O'Neal usually gets the big defensive assignment, but some encouraging returns from Daniel House over that road trip. He was in closing lineups. He's been a great contributor, and it's been a good opportunity for Daniel House, who had some 10 days, who was waived by the Knicks, and now eventually finds a spot where he can play contributing minutes. He deserves them. And then ultimately, late, it's going to be Rudy Gobert switching out on him on the perimeter, something that he can handle despite the popular narrative. If somebody asks me who's going to win this series, why in seven games, I don't know how I'm going to answer that. I really don't. I'm going to need that last data point at the end of the month because I've only seen the real Dallas team twice against the Jazz. Remember the first meeting, one, they didn't have Luka, two, they had Porzingis, who isn't on the team anymore. So I'm going to need that last data point. I don't know how it would go in seven games, but we might have the opportunity to see it. And if we do, it's going to be pressure-packed for Utah. This is the third time that the Jazz with this team will be going to the playoffs. I'm talking about since Boyan Bogdanovich got signed in the offseason and since Mike Conley was traded for. This is number three. And it might be the first time that they've all been healthy together. And if they're healthy, that's when you can fully judge them. But health... That's the most important part. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jerseys, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. That's fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Rob Perez, one of the favorites of Jazz Twitter, joins the show. Underdog Fantasy is where you find him. Also, of course, Late Night with Wob on Twitter. If you're a basketball fan, you already know him. But if you don't, know that he was in a good mood because Carolina beat Duke. Sorry, Quinn. But we started with, why is he so loved by jazz fans? Enjoy him. He's Rob Perez. I was going to ask you the same question. It's not like I'm, I'm the one defending the wall in Salt Lake City for jazz fans either. Maybe just because one, I give them attention. It's tough for Utah Jazz to find national media attention. Uh, whether that's legacy media or just some of these NBA Twitter personalities, the Utah Jazz are, you know, not always the the A block, to say the least. And I don't know. I can I give an honest opinion, and I think I'm pretty pretty fair about it. Whether I'm I'm high on them or I'm low on them, I can at least give you uh, an authentic point of view, which is kind of hard to find in 2022. Believe it or not. Uh, it's everyone seems to have an agenda, but I mean, I watch every jazz game, like most jazz fans out there. And I mean, there's, there's good parts about them. There's bad parts. There's controversial parts. There's boring parts and everything in between. 
So uh, maybe it's just uh, honesty is refreshing at this point. It's that and the fact that you talk about them, about them. like saying something nice about Royce O'Neal at the end of the show works for jazz fans because you, the other thing that I really enjoy about you is that you are a complete NBA nerd in that you will go deep on these rosters. Royce O'Neal might not be in the top of mind when it comes to the legacy media when they're talking about the Utah Jazz. That's that's my personal. We could all formulate opinions on Steph Curry and LeBron James, yeah. and uh, that was the big ABC primetime Saturday night game this past weekend. Despite the Lakers being so bad, you know they're always going to put those guys on national TV. You wake up on Monday morning to go to work, you turn on the TV, and you know what they're going to be talking about. It's it's Jordan versus LeBron, or it's LeBron versus Steph, and now it's just Giannis Antetokounmpo starting to get into these. Uh, a block conversations and it's I you know as someone that spends every minute during the NBA season watching every dribble of every game there are players who exist that are outside of those teams and those specific names so I'm watched like some of my favorite players in the league to watch are DeJounte Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, even guys like Josh Giddy and uh, Royce O'Neal for obvious reasons, because I don't know when it, the love affair started with Royce O'Neal. He's just such a nice guy. And I don't know, like everyone else loved him too. So it just develops into these things, but I, I almost enjoy watching the small market teams and Salt Lake city is not even that small of a city, but I guess compared to New York, LA, Miami, and Chicago, and, you know, San Francisco and all these different, uh, different metropolises it is. But, uh, I, I enjoy watching the smaller market teams because no one else really, is if you think about the wide scope if your echo chamber is just nba twitter of course you're going to always find some some stan fan base that loves a very specific player um on a, on a team right but for the most part you know people on planet earth are not watching the oklahoma city thunder play the utah jazz on a thursday night so that's where i kind of come in people know i am and i'm going to give them the equal if there's something big happening in that game in the jazz Thunder game, while there's a big national TV on game on at the same time, they get equal. This is a democracy. There is no NBA uh, a lightning rod topic dictatorship going on the World Wide Web Twitter account. I don't think that everybody was tuning in to Jazz Kings earlier this year. And mm. then the vomit happened. And people mm. tuned in to those clips that happened after the vomit occurred. Yeah, that's that seat is cursed forever. And that's another that's. That's why I, I, I'm such a league pass head because that game was not on national television to say nope. the least. And it happened super late at night because the Kings place. And it was, I believe during a weekday. So who the hell is watching that game other than jazz fans, Kings fans, and myself, probably not a lot of people. So when the puke happens, which is a memorable moment, uh, well, notorious moment, more, more than memorable. Uh, those are the things that attract me. I like the in-between TV timeouts when a uh, jazz bear destroys some kid in a music game of musical chairs. I'm sure jazz bear heard it from that the kid's parents that night because he launched him <laughs> off the screen in a way that I'm like, oh my God, is that kid okay? But you know what? The jazz are usually good for that kind of entertainment. And if that's what it takes to get people to watch jazz games, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers in terms of ratings and things like that and attention. So if you want the attention... I'm going to give it to you, but you may not always like why. Game Ops, be on the lookout for at World Wide Web. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. 
As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. I think the four seed is probably the best place to be in the West because you may likely draw the Dallas Mavericks, which is, I mean, playoffs are always about matchups. It's not what number seed you are. Look at the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat may end up playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round just because seeding one versus eight. And if the Nets come through the play-in tournament, I would much rather be a three seed than a one seed. So don't look at the numbers when I say it's good that the Jazz are going to be a four. I just think they have a very favorable matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. We can already see this blood rivalry starting between Luka and Rudy Gobert for seemingly no reason, but Rudy got the best of him in Utah. And despite the flopping, Luka got the best of him in the most recent game against in, in Dallas. Uh, but the most important part there is Utah matches up pretty well against a team that really doesn't have a true center outside of Dorian Finney-Smith. And, you know, they're going to be trying some different experiments there, but it seems like one of those teams that just can't out talent the jazz. Cause that's always been their biggest problem is they run into a team that now granted Luca is, I don't still don't know who on the Utah jazz can guard Luca. If it's not Rudy down in the paint, it's going to be our, our friend of the program, Royce O'Neal and God bless his soul. He's going to be asked in the playoffs, whether you play the Mavericks or someone else. It's going to be Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, Luka Doncic, any, whoever the best star swingman is on the other team, that's going to be Royce O'Neal's assignment. And that's asking a lot. Okay. Especially with Ingles going down. I don't know who on the Utah jazz I'm in a rush to be like, that's the guy that we can send out there to shut down a star player in the half court in the playoffs. So that's why I, maybe I'm more realist, not realistic, but I'm not saying the jazz are going to win the title anytime soon because until they fill that hole in the armor, uh, that's, I think that's going to be exposed by a true superstar. Now on the contrary, let's talk about glass half full because despite this being a, you just, you said it yourself, things have cooled off. Utah jazz with the moment that we're filming this right now are the best at the best offense in the NBA net rating. Okay. I, quite literally number one there's no team better despite all these amazing jaws and memphises and phoenixes and golden states that exist in the world it's the utah jazz that have haven't had any of their guys for what feels like half the year still number one in net rating but jazz fans are also smart and they know that this doesn't really carry any weight because when we slow the game down in the postseason in the playoffs we go into the half court it's going to be donovan mitchell time as it always is now he's always stepped up that series against the denver nuggets in the bubble is still uh, my favorite series probably since the 2016 western conference finals that i've seen two individuals step up to that level so mitchell has proved time and time again that he can be that guy but donovan mitchell is not Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not Kevin Durant. And as a result, he's going to need a little help. So I'm me personally, I'm going to be looking at Jordan Clarkson to take that next step up and be the, be the, the wingman, be the, be the, uh, the ice man, be the Maverick to the goose or whatever your top gun analogy is there uh, that they're really going to need him to be at volume efficient because the volumes are given with Jordan Clarkson. He can get up 20 to 25 shots a night. But I'm going to need Jordan Clarkson to take some of that heat off of Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs because at some point that man's going to have to go punch for punch with some of the best scores on planet Earth. 
and we, we've kind of seen multiple times in the past that he can take you pretty far, but not all the way. Someone on this team needs to step up and score the basketball by creating their own offense, not as a result of Donovan Mitchell. It's been a shift since even before that bubble playoffs where the Jazz have gone in on offense. I think that's that really has has to help them when it comes to the playoffs in having that number one offensive rating. They weren't healthy last year. They weren't even healthy in that bubble playoffs when they didn't have Boyan Bogdanovich. If they can get the offense right when it comes to postseason time and they're playing one of these teams like Dallas, I think that helps them out. And if Luka has an awesome series, a Jamal Murray going Inferno series, then I think you tip your cap to them. But beyond Luka, I don't think that Mavericks team absolutely scares you if the Utah Jazz. And it's it's kind of, you look at the standings, and it's, it's not a lock because there's still more than a month remaining in the season, but uh, tell me a more favorable path in the Western Conference than then unless you're going to be the one seed and you draw the the eight, which is the Lakers or whatever team is like the 10 seed or whatever. Uh, that's probably the only first round real buy that you can have. But if you're looking at Dallas and then Phoenix as opposed to golden state and Phoenix is really dang good. Uh, but I, you know, I can think of worse. if you're in the Eastern conference, you'd be complete dust. I'll tell you that much if the Utah jazz were there, but thankfully the West is not nearly as deep from one through eight as, as it usually is. And uh, I, it, just my personal opinion, I do think that that Dallas, just because you guys can really expose the interior there. And if you get Dorian Finney-Smith into foul trouble, I just don't know how they're going to have a single guy out there. What are we talking about? Maxi Kleber, Powell, that are going to have to deal with Gobert for 40 plus minutes. And uh, I, ever since Gobert's come back, he's back to being that 20, 20 a night menace that uh, is protecting the rim as the defensive player of the year. It's it's fascinating to watch when they're not on the floor. Him and Draymond Green are, you just see how valuable that those two guys are to their teams. Their defense spirals out of control. I think the I think uh, Utah has fallen to 10th now in defensive rating coming into this recording. Now that's not because Rudy Gobert is, has regressed, but he was out for a significant time. And during, during that absence, the Utah Jazz defense obviously really suffered yet they're still there at third in net rating so what that tells me is the value of Gobert's mere presence let alone if he records five blocks or zero it doesn't really matter to me that he's on the floor like that and he's the guy that can step up to stop Luca on an island despite the reputation that he has by getting exposed by Terrence Mann one night you know Gobert can still do it and uh, I, I, I don't want to sound like a, a Gobert defender by any means, but you know what? The guy has the track record of winning Defensive Player of the Year for a reason, despite not being as popular as Utah would like him to be. You're a gambling guy, so I ask you this. I mean, Rudy is the favorite right now for Defensive Player of the Year. I give you $100. Would you put it on Rudy? No. Uh, my on? Defensive Player of the Year is going to be Giannis. Until further notice, he's played more games. Uh, he's... He is as good as he's ever been, even during his defensive player of the year. I would give it to Giannis because he has played more games. Now it's it's not like a complete noticeable amount, uh, but just Giannis's ability to guard positions one through five. He can protect the rim just like Gobert can. And Giannis is is not the same species as us. Okay, like I, Gobert's super athletic and he's a very talented defender, but Giannis is an alien and he's not going to win MVP. So you have to find an award for Giannis at some point. 
Uh, he's my, just again, from watching what he does and how he influences every single possession, whether it's at the rim on the perimeter or closing out possessions, that man can do it all. So for me, uh, it is, it is Giannis to win the award, but I, of course, I do want to say that if we're, if we're trying to nominate a most valuable player, which is different than a defensive player of the year for just defense, my definition of valuable is what happens to your team when that player is removed from the roster. So Gobert would win a defensive MVP for me because of what happened to the Jazz defense the moment that he came off the floor. Completely different team. They would barely make the playoffs if they didn't have Gobert out there, again, because of his mere presence. So DMVP goes to Gobert. DPOY goes to Giannis. DMVP, DPOY. Okay, I'm keeping the... <laughs> it's like, right, no, no, yeah, no, it's confusing, but it's like WWE wrestling. They have the... They have, the, world, they have the, the heavyweight title, the, the intercontinental championship. You don't know. Yeah. At WWE championship. Which one's the biggest one? I'm just giving out multiple belts here. You have that for Rudy. Where do you put Draymond in there? Because he, that team's defense has obviously uh, taken a hit. But even more so, more than if you say Rudy, like offensively, you can, you can see how much they miss him on the offensive end with his passing and his facilitating. Draymond Green not being on the Warriors, where are they for you? Uh, same exact boat as, as Utah. Yeah. You brought it up there. Their, their defense has spiraled out of control without Draymond Green, and he is a lot more essential to the offense on that Golden State assembly line team than Rudy necessarily is for the Jazz. But I, I'm not here to compare the two, but we know what Draymond does uh, with his DHO dribble handoffs. Sometimes he's playing point guard, initiating the offense to get Steph off the ball to let Steph come off some screens. He's the one setting the away, the away from the ball screens with Steph. And when Draymond's out there, the ball rarely touches the floor. When he's not out there, Steph Curry has to play the traditional point guard position, which he can, and he's doing, you know, just fine at it. But at this point, we kind of know that Steph is at his absolute best when he's more so a combo guard uh, getting past the ball. And he's a part of the offense as opposed to, to running it. And of course, on the defensive side, yeah, just like Gobert, they, he's an essential part. He is the oil to the engine, and his absence cannot be replaced. And he doesn't, Draymond doesn't have the same physical capabilities. Granted, Gobert's wingspan is like, what, 10 feet at this point? It keeps growing. True seven footer. Draymond is not that. He plays bigger than his actual body size, which is to his credit. Uh, but he still yet cannot be replaced and they have Andre Iguodala and they're eventually going to get Wiseman and they've got vets like Looney out there that can make up for it a lot better than you would figure someone on the jazz can for Rudy Gobert yet he's still that essential so I know jazz fans would prefer me to slander Draymond Green probably a little bit here but they are as much as you don't like to admit it they are a lot in the same even all-star weekend we heard Draymond chirping you remember that on the sideline when he was mic'd up on the TBS yep. broadcast? He's like, don't compare me to Rudy. Don't compare me to Rudy. And I think he was doing that not because he doesn't like him, but he realizes they are the same in a lot of ways. And he's just, he doesn't, he doesn't want that to be a thing. And he's stolen Defensive Player of the Year awards away from him. Of course, he doesn't like him in that moment in terms of a claim. He's yes. taken all the DPOYs. Correct, and, that too. And the Rob Perez deep MVP as well. <laughs> Both. Okay, is Phoenix in a class of themselves in the West right now? Or can are you allowing room for Memphis to jump in there? Did you forget who's also at the top of the West? You've mentioned Memphis. You've mentioned Phoenix. Did we forget about Golden State? They're struggling recently. 
But when they get their horses back, and Iguodal, it, Wiseman's going to be back in the lineup here shortly. If they get healthy with Draymond, he's due back soon. The class to me exists. It's Phoenix, Golden State, and everyone else. Memphis is having an incredible season. The Jazz are, are they, right there down, you know, fourth with Dallas too. And if they really put their foot to the, if they had their guys for the entire season, they may be there in terms of record as well. But for me, Phoenix is as much of a, I like to refer to Golden State as this just assembly line of basketball, the same way that the, the New England Patriots, someone can get hurt. Someone just steps right in and becomes a pro bowler, whether it's Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady, Tom Brady to Garoppolo or any of their pro bowl linemen. It just doesn't matter. You put on that uniform and that helmet and all of a sudden you're just a part of it and it works always. And that's a credit to the franchise. Uh, and Phoenix is very quickly becoming that because they've seen Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and now even Cam Johnson go down. It just doesn't matter. They got guys, Mikael Bridges and campaign and Aaron holiday that just step in and they play Phoenix Suns basketball. It looks all the same, regardless of who's out there. You got to give Monty Williams who, you know, arguably should have won coach of the year last year. I hope he gets it this year. Cause I mean, that team, despite everything that they've been through, uh, is still at the very top. So for me to answer that, I still think Golden State is going to be the class of the Western Conference when it's all said and done. But Phoenix is absolutely up there with them, with Memphis and Utah and Dallas looking in. I just think that the Warriors need more out of a second guy beyond Steph because having like Andrew Wiggins as that second guy, to me, doesn't breed championship-level team in my mind. Well, of course, I mean, Clay exists, so yeah, and, and he he hasn't looked great over the last couple of weeks, right? Well, the guy I'm actually concerned about, Wiggins, is more so just coming back down to earth because Lord yeah. knows that walking B minus to his credit was overachieving there for, for a couple of months. But the guy that I the only guy I'm concerned about is Jordan Poole. Just last night, again, while we were filming this, he went completely off in, in a loss, but he was finally had the opportunity to just. Do what Jordan Poole wants to do. He's like Jordan Clarkson in a lot of ways. So you just need to give him room to operate, to gallop around the, the, the Savannah. And he hasn't had that since Clay has come back. And he struggled because he only, he only gets so many minutes of run. He's a part of the system, but he's very much a, an isolation microwave scorer. And he's probably the one guy that has been the odd man out looking in just because it doesn't fit his game the most. And just when Clay and Steph don't, play and he does he it's no coincidence that he has a monster monster night so yeah I would like Jordan Poole to be that guy at some point that can come in with the second unit to either spell or join Steph Curry while Clay rests uh to be that wingman that I've been asking the Utah Jazz like who is that second guy uh and with Golden State it's gonna have to be you would of course figure it's Clay but if it's not gonna be Clay we're gonna have to sit here and figure out who is it you know, is it Kaminga? Like, who's going to get these minutes in the playoffs? They got 12 guys that can start at any time, but in the playoffs, those rotations are going to shorten down to seven, eight guys, regardless of how many dudes played well during the regular season. Yeah, they might be hawks-ish in the way that they have too much depth. Having options, having too many options is a good problem to have, but it's going to be on the coach there to figure out who of these guys makes the cuts for playoff rotations and if someone gets hurt, someone gets COVID, someone fouls out, you're, you're absolutely going to need a bench. But like the Hawks, you can't play eight guys at once. And if you pick the, the wrong rotation at the wrong time, the series could be over. So we will see. It will be a lot 
the Warriors fans are already got, you know, lighting up the, getting the pitchforks and the, the, the torches ready to storm the, the Steve Kerr castle with. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can figure it out once again. Are you mentally okay to talk about the Knicks? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've said this a couple of times, but you can't kill what's already dead. I mean, the season's over for me. And I'm more so just watching it as an investor would with a stock that they know they're never going to sell regardless of which way it moves, you know, like I'm a holder. So I, 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 I can go to bed at night knowing that I'm not worried about the day-to-day price of the Knicks stock because I'm going to be here regardless. So yes, that's a very long-winded way of saying if we must. Are you disappointed? Two schools of thought. The first of which is I've been doing this now for the past 20 years of watching disappointing Knicks teams. So this is nothing new. Like I, I, I'm not losing a minute of sleep. I root for the Mets. Okay, like I, I'm just you, you get numb to it and used to it at some point. But at the same time, they were the four seed last year. There was expectations coming into the season, and you would hope that, the the misconception is that everyone will always be at least as good as they were the previous season. That's not always the case. You you anticipate people get better with time and experience, but we've seen some regression from Julius Randle. Now R.J. Barrett's been a bright spot, but What's really bothered Knicks fans the most here is watching guys like Evan Fournier and Alec Burks, God bless him, because he really came through for us big last year, pulling 37, 38 minutes on an under 500 team that everyone knows is not going to win a championship when you've got all these first round picks just sitting there on the bench that have shown some real promise. So there's a month left in the season here. And I th- at this point, Knicks fan- if Knicks fans are disappointed at anything, it's that we're not letting these guys get the opportunity to go out there and show what they got. And if they can be a part of this team as a cornerstone franchise piece moving forward, you know, you, you can always say young guys are the most athletic or whatever, but most importantly, young guys, especially if they're still on their rookie deals are it's a business as well. And these guys are under team control for what are potentially going to be the next seven years or so. So I, I don't want to waste that. And if, if you're going to give them that extension, when, when it's due, you're going to want to know that they're worth it. And that's just, that's the, the only thing that's really been bothering me is how many see Cam Reddish get yanked after, you know, three to five minutes of an end of second quarter stint that drives me not traded a first round pick for him. I was just about to ask you about Cam Reddish because in my Knicks friends, they always bring up, why isn't he playing? Why in this lost year is Cam Reddish not getting some run for this team when there are no hopes for it? I wish I had those answers. And I'm not going to be one of those prisoner of the moments that says fire Thibodeau, fire Thibodeau. This guy won coach of the year last year. He took a a team that had no right being the four seed to the playoffs. And I'm not going to look past that. And also he's in the locker room and I'm not. So he knows his relationship with these guys. He knows a lot more about coaching NBA basketball than I do. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to trust him that he's got that he's got the best interest of the franchise in mind. Where we question it is when you trade a first round pick for a guy on a, a young guy on a team that is now way under 500, you would figure it makes sense that you want to play said guy. So I'm just hoping that Thibodeau is not playing him because he's trying to save his job and make the playoffs or the play in tournament. And all he cares about is, is winning and not the long-term health of a franchise. Cause that's where my loyalty rests. And that's the only way I would ever call for Thibodeau's firing is if the agendas are different. If his agenda is Thibodeau and the Knicks agenda is trying to get these guys right within the next five years so that we have potential stars the same way 
uh, OKC had the, their three and Golden State at some point drafted Steph, Draymond and Clay. Like you got to go through some growing pains to get to the point that you want to be. And uh, we just haven't had that opportunity yet. And on this, where is the Jazz Finals jacket that you got? Where is it? Hanging up. It's It's got its own special place in my in my closet. I mean, I can go get it for you, but it's, let me tell you, I have, I have two jackets that I wear out. I I have more than two jackets, but two specifically (laughs) that get without a doubt the most compliments. And the place that I went with the jazz jacket is just prime. Everyone's wearing like a nineties NBA throwback something. Okay. It's on the beach here in Los Angeles, but a lot of Sean Kemp. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean like nineties bowl stuff finals hats, you know, from the nineties and things like a champion jerseys, this place has it all. And I have never gotten that many compliments over one piece of clothing. Cause I own a lot of nice shoes too. Even all the nice shoes are nothing compared for some reason. People love that Utah jazz jacket. Now I'm trying to figure out why, because I, all you see on the internet is I hate the Utah jazz. I hate the Utah jazz. I hate the Utah jazz fans. I hate what they represent. And then everyone just comes up to you and says, that's the coolest jacket I've ever seen. I'm like, do you realize it's Utah jazz? We're like, yeah, but that, like that jacket is incredible. Now the one that I'm talking about is the, is the nineties logo with the, the purple mountains. Anything nineties is always because I'm a boomer. I love everything nineties. So that jacket is the epitome of 90s apparel and anyone that's a millennial or above is just going to salivate over this thing. I feel like I'm selling it for you. But if you want compliments at the bar from LA is not known for its Utah jazz fandom by any means. Okay. This is, this is like prime Los Angeles too. And every single person wants to know where to get that jacket from. Maybe LeBron James, the jazz are a lot cooler than what you alluded to during that all-star draft that no one played with the jet with the jazz and NBA jam or growing up. Well, apparently a lot of people did because this jacket in my NASCAR jacket, by far the two most popular pieces of clothing in LA. Wow. The NASCAR one gets the compliments as well. Yeah, it's a Kyle Bush. It's all black and it's got M&Ms all over it, but it's uh, it's gorgeous. So that that and the, the Utah Jazz jacket have without a doubt led the league in PER for jackets. Well, you know, you know, jazz fans, they love advanced stats when it comes to Rudy Gobert or this <laughs> team. Lot, you know what? This jacket did set up a lot of for initiating conversations. So you know what? If you have problems, uh, initiating conversations with someone that you potentially are interested in or attracted to this jacket does the dirty work for you it's worth every penny i swear and i'm not just saying that because because i'm on a jazz podcast i've been wearing this thing everywhere and people are telling me stop being in videos with it it's getting go buy something new because i've worn it that much jazz team store you're welcome underdog fantasy rob perez on utahjazz.com rob thanks so much for taking the time Thanks for having me, guys.